Welcome to the Project Black Podcast, co-hosted by Dara, Fatima, Ryan, and Bree, for Black public health professionals, friends, and colleagues. Tune in as we come together to discuss how we can bridge love, access, community care, and knowledge. We are Project Black. Welcome back to Project Black. We're Black again. We're so excited to have you for episode 11. Today, we're going to be talking about food and identity and how that relates to public health. So we're so happy to have you tuned in today. And today, it's the the crew, just the crew. And we're super excited to uh, once again come together and just share our experiences and how food and identity relates to us both, you know, personally and professionally, maybe if that's the case. So for this week's checking question, I wanted to ask if you were a dessert, what would you be? I, I'll take this one. I if I were a dessert, I would be a stop and shop chocolate cake, light whip, because it's consistent. You always know it's gonna taste good. <laughs> it's not too sugary. Like their whipped, their whipped frosting is not too sugary, so it's good. And I feel like that's you know, that's just how I am. Constant, consistent and delicious so damn okay (laughs) did you get a sponsor not tell us (laughs) yes this episode is sponsored by just kidding (laughs) i'm a thousand percent a lava cake i feel like i maybe i look like i have a hard exterior but i'm holding it together but once you crack me open i'm just hey i'm here and i have a lot of emotions yeah, <laughs> that's a little scoop ice cream. <laughs> that is so accurate. <laughs> why I'm laughing, right? Listen, <laughs> um, I think I would be a banana pudding just because fluffy, whipped, love. You know, the South. I feel like it's hearty. It's good for the soul. And that's that's what I am. That's what I try to be. Yes, these explanations are point on. I didn't really think about why I would be a certain dessert, but I guess we're doing this live. So <laughs> I would say a red velvet cake. Because like when I when I first saw red velvet cake, at least for me, I didn't know it was basically chocolate cake. Right. I was like, ooh, nice color, right? And then you bite into it, you're like, this is familiar, right? And I feel like that's similar to my personality. Like when people get to know, whether they've met me the first day or they've known me for years, it's like there's just this commonality or this familiar spirit and they just open up. And I feel like it's sort of like that velvet cake, red velvet cake. You don't really know when you see it, but then you talk to it or you eat it and you'd be like, oh, this this is this is chocolate. No, that's so true. Sometimes I look back at um, every once in a while, like Snapchat memories comes up and it'll populate that first time we went to go get dinner at, what was it, Zen? Whatever. What? <laughs> Whatever no, was, the place downstairs. Yeah, my, cross yes, cross nasty place. ZC <laughs> Boston. I love ZC. I ZC. mean, they're not paying us, but y'all, I like it. Did you like their food, Ryan, when we went? I thought it was. I like certain uh, dishes for sure. Their bento yeah. boxes are fire. Right. Mm-mm, no, <laughs> their Ryan bento boxes saved me. <laughs> right. Them place be good. Ryan was cute. Ryan was like, "Do you want to go out on a date?" Y'all, it was it was the sweetest thing ever and bought me my vegetable fried rice. And at that point, I I look at that picture and I'm like, dang, look, I didn't even know Fatima like how I know Fatima now. You know what I mean? But like, you felt like you knew me a little bit, right? Yeah, a little red velvet. <laughs> I was like, I don't even know if I like, in general, I was like, I don't know if I like red velvet cake, but then the same thing when I ate it, I was just like, all right, it's just the, the food coloring. All right, guys, we got to move on. <laughs> 
<laughs> Today, we're talking about food and identity, and it's no secret that food is essential. Everyone needs it, but not everyone has access to it. Um, and usually conversations around public health centers, food access, or it centers obesity or high blood pressure, especially when talking about communities of color and food issues. But today I wanted to actually center around identity and I purposefully didn't want to talk about health related issues in food, just because I think it's time to challenge the notion that like black bodies don't always have to be in a state of, of needing to be changed you know, and I just think that's like a personal barrier to people really engaging in different activities, like public health or not, just like, you know, exercise, getting out, whatever, whatever. Usually it's behind this notion of like, I'm moving to change and not I'm moving because I want to move. You know what I mean? I'm, there doesn't always have to be the motive to lose weight or to change your appearance as to why you're eating broccoli. You know, maybe that's just what your body wanted and that's okay like there doesn't always have to be this justification for eating or not eating or doing or not doing so this notion of food and identity not really new but something that I've been just thinking about a lot because um, we know that identity is can be static in some places and then fluid in others and as we grow up we create this roadmap everything that you try that you like or that you dislike um, it always leads to this journey and part of that journey is you know your cultural experiences your family experiences where you are in the world where you are in the world as in you know, culturally um, and not just physically. So what are some foods from your childhood that are still a part of like your regular diet today? Mm, good question. First of all, I just like the way you started off where you was like, oh, I got a little bass in my voice, y'all, because this morning. <laughs> Ooh. Um, but no, I appreciate the way you started it off. I just wanted to name that because I'm like, oh, yeah, we don't always have to bring it back to like work out or like black people are dying, <laughs> like, right, or like centering around that. So I just want to appreciate you for starting us off like that. In terms of foods that I that are still part of my diet, I was actually just talking to my mom a couple of days ago, because when I, I was at Maryland, <clears throat> excuse me, for about four months, and I was at home and I was eating a lot of West, specifically Sierra Leonean food that obviously has some combination of like Senegalese and sometimes Nigerian and Ghanaian because we didn't put those borders up, white people did, but that's not what this episode is about. So, but we were just talking about when I got back, I was missing the food from home because I don't really know how to cook everything that my mom grew up cooking. But some of the things that I still take with me or still bring to my table, even when I'm not home or within my Sierra Leonean community, um, okra, <laughs> love okra love okra and we don't just like cook it fried or bread it because that's usually how I see it here in, in a lot of North American or United in the United States in the stores we usually make it into like a sauce or a soup right and eat it with fufu or we'll mash it mash up the okra and we really like the slime actually I know like okra is a turn off because of that but we like that and we'll add it to like a little bit of white rice so it has that beautiful color and then we'll eat it with stew so we're really big big on colors I think another thing that I still eat which isn't something that people like the smell of, but it's like fermented sesame seeds and we call it ogiri and it could either be frozen or usually it comes frozen, but it's, it doesn't smell good, but it adds, adds such an amazing flavor to like your sauces and your dishes and thing like that, things like that. And then other things is just, it's just probably common in other cultures as well. We pronounce it plantain 
I know some people say plantain. That's cool. <laughs> but we say plantain in our, in our country. And it's like, we eat a lot of veggies, but we make it flavorful in how we want to eat it, right? And I don't think it's ever been a part of us to be like, oh, we need to eat veggies. Like back to your point around like, oh, we need to lose weight. It was just like, no, we know what foods are good for us, not just like on a diet level, but just like how it makes us feel, right? Are we able to use the restroom? Like those are our signifiers of health, right? Like my mom usually like, eat this, eat that. That'll make you go to the bathroom, right? It's not like blood pressure, diabetes, or none of that. And obviously in most West African um, cultures and just around the world, we love our white rice. Or you just eat white rice with any and everything. So those are things that I still try to bring into my diet. And sometimes I don't know how to cook all of our West African dishes, but shout out. We're not, we not going to keep shouting out restaurants because they're not paying us for this. <laughs> but there's a, a pretty good West African restaurant, I think, in Boston that like whenever I'm like, I don't know how to cook this sauce, I, I make that order and, and pick it up from them. So yeah, that's what I would say I'd still bring as part of my diet, especially from the cultural perspective. And anything that you didn't bring in from your childhood, uh, whether like you just don't have a taste for it anymore or like your values have changed or your identity has changed? Oh, good question. I would say, so y'all know this, but I went on this like veganism lifestyle for four years. So I was pretty much (laughs) all of how long I've been in Boston. And then I went to Jamaica last year and we, you don't always get to choose what you want to eat when you travel. And that's just what does the fact of the matter. So we went to this, this area and it was, um, it was like near the ocean and it was fresh seafood. They like, you order what you want and they just go out and get it. And they didn't have any, they only had like fried, some type of fried root vegetable. That was the only option that I could eat if I was trying to be vegan. And I was like, I'm not just eating this. Look at all of this beauty. <laughs> like, like it's fresh and non-GMO, right? It's not farm raised, whatever. So I'm like, let me go for this. I got some like snapper curry snapper or something. Let me tell y'all, since I left that country, I have never, <laughs> I've never been the same. But I bring that up because in my culture, specifically growing up in my family, all we eat a lot of animal. Like, our sauces, it's not just one type of meat. It'll be like fish, turkey, beef, the cow tongue, the cow stomach, the cow foot. Like, it's a lot of that. And I grew up on that. And that's something that I haven't done in, in a while. Even when I went home in Maryland, like when my mom would cook it, I would try to like move it to the side and just get the sauce because I've my tongue has grown more affectionate or appreciative of the flavors versus just the meat. So that's one thing where I'm like, yeah, now I'm flexing and just eating what I want to eat and being more cautious of where I'm getting my food. But it's that's something that I don't do as much. And that's something that I always used to love. Like if you didn't have three or four different types of animals in the dish, I'd be like, what is this? Right. Because that's something that I grew up on. All right. Well, Fatima hit all of my points. So <laughs> does anybody else want to share? Yeah, I, I think for me, um, some foods that I still eat, like a lot of the same foods. So like I, you know, I second what Fatima was saying with like fufu and like um, when you were saying ogiri, I had to Google it because I was like that, that food, that sounds familiar. Like in Yoruba, it's called iru and my, my dad does not like it. It's the, it has a smell that greets you when you walk in the door. It's so strong, (laughs) but it is so delicious. So good. And like, I love it, but I can't eat it here because, you know, I don't want to chase away my roommates. So I'm like, you know, uh, when I go home, I, you know, indulge. Um, But 
I still love to eat like, you know, all the rices with all the stews, jollof rice, spinach stew. And like a lot of, a lot of the food, Nigerian food is like, at least to me, it feels like a lot of work. So a lot of the times I'll just go order from like Studio Joint or another restaurant in Boston <laughs> because I'm like, okay, I know they already got it made in the back. So let me just get that. Some some foods that I still eat that I'm trying to stay away from, <laughs> ramen noodles. I still love my noodles with the egg in it, put some cayenne pepper, maybe a little turmeric powder to, just to make me feel like I'm being healthy. I still eat some of those foods. Um, hot Cheetos. Yeah, I'm trying to wean myself off. Like there's a little, um, what's it called? A little corner store next to me. So it's just it's just so tempting. I see it at the corner of my eye. So these, these were the comfort foods I had, ramen noodles and, you know, hot Cheetos that I had growing up that, you know, whenever I eat it now as an adult, like it just, you know, it takes me back to that place. But yeah, so I'm trying to like eat, you know, introduce myself to like different foods and stuff. But, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of hard because like, I already know how to cook, like, you know, a lot of Nigerian foods. So sometimes, so for the most part, that's my go-to. But sometimes with I'll make American dishes with like a Nigerian twist, like my spaghetti sauce. <laughs> um, it'll just be spaghetti with stew. <laughs> so, yeah. So I'm always open to like learning new recipes. So, yeah. So my food journey has pretty much stayed the same with little, you know, going back to the past to eat my comfort food. So, Okay. I can share too. So I've been thinking long and hard about how to answer this question. Cause I do also appreciate what you said, Ryan, about like having conversations of like just health and like not necessarily tying it back to like chronic issues, just like food being a part of culture. But that wasn't my experience growing up. So I'm being, let me just first shout out my mom and my family. They did the best that they could do. Like they, they did as much as they could do with what they knew at the time. But like, I didn't grow up thinking that vegetables, vegetables were something that you like really centered in your diet unless you were trying to like lose weight and so for us like my mom would love to make like always like three not three courses but like a spread so it wouldn't be just pasta right it'd be pasta and she'd have like green beans on the side um, but she usually centered the, the like meal around a protein so some kind of chicken um, and she'd add in like vegetables but in her mind the vegetables would be a corn and then we'd have a starch um, that was like potatoes or mac and cheese. Um, and then we might have cornbread. Um, and so looking back, like that was like typical. And it was like, yeah, we got our corn in, so we good. Not even realizing that corn is a very starchy vegetable. So was it really a vegetable? I don't know. And that's something like that she still cooks and we have conversations about um, like what it means to like add like different veggies to your diet. Cause I know I love to like have like broccoli now. Like there was a point where that was the only vegetable I was eating. So I got really sick of it. Um, but I do a lot of green leafy vegetables now. And like, I don't really cook those. Like I'll do it in a salad, but like I'm still trying to figure out what does it look like to center a meal around things other than protein. Um, just cause that's just something as an adult I've been trying to work on. But it's so interesting cause I feel like I had a completely different diet when I was in Boston versus now moving home where I'm so grateful for my family for feeding me and Marcus, like sending us so much food. And it's still kind of the same food that I grew up eating, which I love, but like my sister and my nieces are a lot, help, um, they have different, I think, views of what it means to be healthy and cook great foods too. So they um, have changed a little bit of how they prepare meals, but it's still like our green beans, we throw some tomatoes in them 
or we throw some peppers in them and like make them a little spicy um, with mac and cheese and like some grilled chicken like that's still something that they eat pretty much regularly and it's so funny because y'all know Marcus can't gain weight like y'all people may not know this but he gained like 10 pounds since being here and it's so funny because I'm pretty sure it's like all the food that my mom and my my sister and my my family they're like cooking so I'm trying to still see like what food looks like for me as an adult like how do I like to prepare foods I find myself I think trying to be more connected to home so I've been cooking a lot of Cajun foods a lot of dirty rice a lot of red beans and rice, a lot of jambalaya. I've been eating boudin, which is like um, pork stuffed, pork with rice, like stuffed in like a sausage casing, like that people might know about down here. Get you some boudin balls. They delicious. They fry them. Listen, so ain't no healthy about this, but it's good for the soul. Like I said, like the banana pudding. It's good for you <laughs> in that way, as long as you have balance. So that's what I'm trying to figure out, that balance and what that looks like here. Because like I said, like I've always been in the camp of like you eat vegetables when you're trying to eat better and you're trying to eat healthier. Um, but since being in school and it's so busy, I can't really afford to not eat healthy because listen, your body needs nutrients just to sustain the amount of work I'm doing. And so I'm trying to figure out how to make like grain bowls or how to make like little um, salads to go that I can like quick eat quickly or to have like some kind of prepared meal that will last me a few days, but also is centered on veggies. And so I don't know what that looks like. Yeah, if y'all got tips, please send them to your girl because I'm struggling, <laughs> but I'm figuring stuff out as we go. And it definitely has gotten better in the last couple of weeks and I have a little bit more time in school. For sure. Yeah, it's so interesting. And I think everyone pretty much hit on this, but there's this, there's this cultural idea of like culinary nostalgia. And so, especially all of us coming from different places, when we cross a border, whether it's a country border, whether it's a state border, <laughs> whether it's a geopolitical border, um, it's not just like the act of crossing bodies over some type of arbitrary line, but we bring like our foods and our recipes with us. So like for Fatima, like culinary nostalgia was like, I can try to make this from like experiences and like watching my mom or my aunts um, recreate this. And like you recreate home and identity through your kitchen and like pulling on that knowledge or you can do things like I can't make this but like I can find a resource where I can get a little bit close to it and I think that in public health conversations specifically like, and like you said and, and what you hit on is that like, we just know what we need to eat to alter and align us back with what feels good and what feels centered for us is important you know and this being kind of like my public health interest, I think a lot about how when we have public health interventions, we take that, that culture away. We take that culinary nostalgia away. And we're like, you know, if you have, if you have an upset stomach, eat Tums, you know, <laughs> but maybe in your culture, um, actually when it's from a family member, they used to eat a, a tablespoon of honey mustard or Dijon mustard for the calcium. So it's just like in America specifically, we're in this context of we're so desensitized. We're no longer connected to the land. We're no longer connected to home, whatever that is, because like those ingredients and those foods and those contexts in which we eat food aren't really available to us that we're trying to make do in an environment that's not conducive to that. And all of those things matter. And I think that it can be super, it should be more a part of the conversation when we're working with vulnerable populations. 
Listen, let me just say, I when I got there, I couldn't find, I, he ain't paying me either. But Tony Sashtries, me and Fatima have been talking about this a couple of times. Tony Sashtries is a go-to, it's a staple down here. It's seasoning, <laughs> it's my family's last name. Like, we ain't got their money though. But like, we put on everything. And I literally traveled to multiple stores in Boston to find that, like to recreate it. I had my mom like, like I need you to mail me some because I can't season my food right. <laughs> um, so you real like, I think it is such a, a conversation that we don't have and how like I, I switched my diet when I moved up there for that reason. Like just trying to figure out other ways to season food, other ways to um, like create meals that didn't center around this specific taste. For sure. For me, at least, when I think of, like, my food journey and, like, how, how I've performed my identity through food, it's definitely been more in terms of, like, food values. Trying to, like, buy as local as possible when it's affordable and convenient. <laughs> you know, try to buy, like, organic when I can and, and those things. And I stopped trying to restrict myself as to, to what I'm going to eat or not eat. But what was the second part of my question? Hmm. Oh, things that I don't eat anymore. Um, so yeah, definitely certain certain food groups I've just realized I'm like, this just doesn't feel right to me physically. <laughs> it doesn't make me feel good. But something that I always thought that when I was an adult that I would start doing is like buy all the junk food that my mom didn't buy. And you know what like my guilty pleasure is now? Toaster strudels. I buy them like twice a year. And it's like, I thought, you know, when you're young, you're like, when I have my own mommy le- money, I'm going to have McDonald's money. Like, I'm a go <laughs> and you can't stop me. <laughs> but now I'm like, you know, it's definitely changed and it keeps on changing, especially as I, my, my friends grow, my networks grow, and I'm exposed to different types of food and different types of um, ways to prepare food, which is, which is super dope. I have another thought related to this, like just posing a question, because I remember I was in high school for sure, but I went to a restaurant and I remember being full, like I was, but I was like, I was taught you make a happy plate, like you finish your plate and you make it happy and then you show your family like, look, look, I made a happy plate. And that meant sometimes eating a little bit past when you were full or like, I guess the point where you're satiated, but when I went to this restaurant with some classmates and I was like, y'all, I'm so full. And they were like, stop eating. And I was like, huh? And they were like, yeah, no, you can, you don't have to finish the food. And I was like, no, like you need to finish your food. You don't leave food on the table. Um, And that was the first time I heard that I had to be 18, like just going to college. And like, I was like, um, like a whole new world for me. Like, wait, what? And I don't know if that was just like something I grew up hearing or if that was an experience that was shared by other people. Because at that point I was around, you know, different cultures and different folks that didn't necessarily look like me. So it was an interesting conversation. Yeah. And even like something that I learned uh, in college with like fine dining, not that I was having a lot of those experiences, but like (laughs) that you're not supposed to finish like your whole plate. Like it's an insult to the chef you know so you always just leave like a few because then the and I'm sure it's not just in fine dining because I know it's definitely in some (laughs) in different cultures where it's like if you finish your plate it it signals to the cook that they didn't feed you enough and that you're still hungry and I thought that was a really interesting notion and but it makes sense right like when you're in a place of privilege and you know where your next meal is going to come from or like you have that stability you're like 
I don't have to eat all of this versus like kind of that embodied knowledge, that concept again of even though if I'm good, like it's been ingrained in me that like I should eat all of my food just, you know, from whatever principle our family has. (laughs) And so we become like desensitized, you know, and I think that's the thing in American culture that definitely contributes to a lot of a lot of issues across the board is that we no longer even know how to listen to our body we don't know how to listen to the land we don't know how to listen to our environment because everything is is to desensitize us you know what I mean like eating in front of the tv or eating in the car or social media and just like any part of our life it's just like when we have the ability to sit with ourselves and just be like what do I actually need today it would be a totally different conversation versus like you know all of this like overstimulation that we have and just like you know excess like (laughs) having almost too many options um and so we don't know how to make way with the things that are around us so thank you for bringing that up, Brie. The second thing that I just noticed in everyone's conversation is like I talked about food and identity, but I specifically didn't say what kind of identity. And all of you talked about culture or race. But like, how does food come up in different parts of your identity, such as like, do you find yourself eating like quote unquote, like feminine food versus masculine food? Or like, how does your religious identity come up in your diet? Can you say more about feminine and masculine food for us? Sure. So um, definitely that's not like a rye definition, but how food is marketed. So like yogurt is very feminine and, you know, steak is masculine or uh, salads are feminine. You know, like what we've been marketed towards of like women should eat this and not that because you're you're dainty and, you know, you're delicate and you're you're a fruit salad. Or does that show up anymore? I like how you, you know, you did that. You thought about that. You thought about how you weren't going to mention that to see if it did come up for us. And I appreciate that. But I don't, I don't think I've ever really had food be gendered. Like maybe when I was younger and like girls and boys, like my cousins and I would have different things, but they always like, this girl is hearty. This girl is nothing dainty about her. So she can stay too. Like don't. (laughs) Relax. So I'm like, I don't think I've ever, like, I love yogurt because it's like, the yogurt is good for you with the protein, like, especially now that I understand, like, not all yogurts are good with all the sugar, but like Greek yogurt, especially. Um, But I also love steak too. And yeah, that's a good question. How about any foods that you, um, foods that, yeah, with religion? Yeah, we Christians struggle with it. I don't know if we have any (laughs) reservations. I know, like, I've had a couple of friends who, like, Old Testament heavy, like, pork skin. You're not supposed to even be playing football, kind of, like, um, touching, like, that kind of, like, or having a a conversation about how we relate to pigs. But I, and pork, I just, I don't know. My family chooses to ignore that because, listen, the church barbecue be having bacon everywhere, too. So, like, maybe we need to have a come to Jesus moment and talk about it, but... Yeah, it's never been a conversation about Christianity and like how it relates to food, which is a whole nother conversation about whether church needs to intervene on some of these things. But that's a whole nother conversation too. (laughs) That's hilarious. I just was thinking about all the movies growing up and looking at like Sunday dinners or soul food dinners and the association people make with the foods that you eat after going to church specifically within the black church. That's so interesting. So yeah, but I think, for religion, 
my I grew up in a Muslim background, so you could be doing anything, y'all. You could be on the verge of being like, I'm about to commit a homicide. And like, don't get me wrong, that would be like, oh, that's messed up. But say you said, oh, y'all, I made a mistake and got bacon on that Wendy's burger. Yo, like everybody would be like, Sister Fatima Abdul, like what how could you how could you eat this pork what are you gonna do right like oh no like you need to really check yourself like you could be doing anything in the world but most muslims if i wouldn't say all because like ryan said there's fluidity and the way we understand religion and spirituality looks different for each of us but it is very common like you can be in the mosque and the imam will get on the mic or somebody in the mosque will get on the mic and be like I just want to make an announcement like every anybody that listens to this podcast that's Muslim will feel this part that I'm about to say no we all you see rice krispie treats we all you see marshmallows and jello okay that was like every kid's dream like that was what you ate when you was in school when the shack or the imam came on the mic and was like we've just been you know been made aware that the gelatin that's in yo everybody was like no <laughs> right rice krispie treat marshmallow it was like hard because that was what you ate in elementary school that was what you brought in your backpack like jello what like you were popping and <laughs> your red jello and all these different things so i think you know the foods that we also impact us socially right because like if i was in a predominantly muslim country it wouldn't be that much of a big deal and or I would have other options like there are halal gummies. I love gummies, gummy bears, gummy worms. It's made out of beef gelatin instead. Right. But then like when I was like, I'm gonna be vegan, I stopped eating that or they're like gelatin, beef gelatin for marshmallows and things like that. So growing up, I never ate pork. I don't have a craving for it because I don't know what it tastes like. I've made a mistake in eating it before. And I was like, oh, okay. And sometimes I've gotten sick. Sometimes I haven't. So I'm not going to say like, my body just rejects pork all the time, right? And the moments that I've had and didn't know, I was like, oh, I just bit into that. And I think it's a mind thing. Like when I know, I'm like, oh, I feel nauseous. But I think it's because now I know. (laughs) No, that's just because you're dramatic. (laughs) That too, that too. But it's the mind, right? Like if you don't know something, you probably won't react. But somebody was like, oh, they didn't wash their hands before they made that food then you're going to be like, oh, I feel a little, my stomach hurts, right? So that's been a relationship with food. I mean, alcohol is a different story. Like, same thing with alcohol. Like, oh, I'm just going to make mocktails <laughs> forever. And you know what your brain, like, this is not going to kill me or it probably has nothing to do with heaven to hell, but you just don't want to take that risk or that chance. So you're just like, I'll be fine. You're hilarious. Yes, we love you and your your dietary boundaries. <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely. I, in our friend group, I've definitely learned to ask more questions, right? So like, does anybody have any like dietary preferences or I don't even know if preferences is the right way to do it. Is it, is it an identity? You know, but basically I'm like, all right, I know Fatima doesn't eat meat, but I'm like, dang, what about cheese? Like, that's the hardest thing when you come over Fatima is like being like, all right, I can, I can obviously do things without, without meat but how do I do it without the other dairy products <laughs> which stresses me out but we always find a way yeah I was gonna say that's it's also been hard like all right I'm not trying my, there's a friend of mine who's like I'm vegan and I feel like it's a like a marginalized group or a press group I'd be like all right don't take it that far because that's not <laughs> how we are 
heart. But I do think that like, because I'm flexing or because I'm listening to my body and figuring things out, like there's going to be months where I'm like, I'm not trying to mess with dairy, right? Or there's going to be other months where I'm like, I'm craving Vermont cheddar cheese, right? And it's because it's my process. I think sometimes I feel annoyed for the person. Like when, like the last time we were over your house and you were like, I was like, oh man, I just want her to cook whatever. I'll bring whatever I need to eat. And that's culturally is also I've been raised, right? Like when I went to Jamaica, I wasn't like, I can't eat the fish because I'm vegan. Like that culturally, we don't do that. Like that's disrespectful. So to your example where this person was like, I don't eat meat. It was like, you just move the meat to the side, right? It's a matter of accepting someone's culture. Unless if you're like severely allergic, that's a different story. So I'd be feeling bad sometimes. Even when we used to go out, y'all be like, oh, we can't go to this restaurant. Or like, can you make sure? I used to feel so like, oh, I'm in my head. And I know y'all weren't saying it, but I'd be like, they probably think like, damn, fair go for Tima messing, messing, <laughs> messing up where we about to go to next. <laughs> Not at all. I think if anything, like I loved how last week when y'all were over, it did shift what I made, but a lot more lighter options, you know, and especially so in, in a normal gathering or a normal gathering for me, where it's like, it would have been like a lot of heavier food and it was still hearty. I mean, we had what we had, but to make sure there was like more fruit incorporated and vegetables incorporated, like nobody was hurt by that, you know, <laughs> like if anything, I didn't wake up the next morning being like, ooh, I was going to overeat anyways, but I feel less crappy about it. <laughs> I think for me growing up, there wasn't really any like religious restrictions for food, but well, I don't I guess in the way that in church that we always talked about, you know, your body is a temple. So to treat it as so and like, you know, be mindful of like what you put into it. So that's it on that front. But with gender, they weren't, I never, I, re, I never really felt those restrictions personally. Like whenever I go to the restaurant, like if I wanted a burger or if I wanted fries, like, or, or steak, I mean, I don't really order steak, but like, if I wanted it, I would have ordered it. Like I never felt like hesitant in that regard, but I do know like, growing up like seeing folks in my community like seeing like the moms and aunts be like oh make sure to give the man the biggest piece of meat and I in my mind I was like why like we're the same size <laughs> like <laughs> or give the boy the biggest piece of meat I'm like we're the same height like I need the energy too I'm strong too so I never got that like huh go ahead yeah <laughs> so I never got that like you know like why is the meat gender like why do you like why does it matter like first come first serve if I got to the pot first like I should be the one to get it like why you know so I, I remember growing up with that but that's you know it on gender on my point okay womanism in the house I was gonna yeah. say feminism but you see I chose my words yeah. <laughs> Dara said mm -mm. <laughs> same height I got to the pot first <laughs> all right so yo go ahead Fatima mm. This, I know. I'm, this is such a good topic. So shout to you, Ryan. I was just going to say the gender piece. I grew up with a lot of brothers, so I would always go to Buffalo Wild Wings and watch the games with them, which means that, like, you know, when you start seeing people eat, like, 30 wings, it's something about you that's, like, there's a there's something inside of me that could do the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. Or if your brothers are, like, let me go get this new burger, because they're not thinking about their weight as much as females. So yeah. I grew up not being pressed about how much I and I eat a lot even when I, I was being like strictly vegan listen I will chow down like I will I don't even know if that's an appropriate phrase to say so let's google that and if it's not let's delete that but I will <laughs> go in I will go in on food and so 
Yeah. Now, like, especially if I, like, if it's my male friends, I feel a little bit more comfortable. If I'm, like, talking to someone or dating, I get, that's the only time I'm, like, oh, wait, I didn't, that's not my brother. Like, they're, you know, or, like, they have this certain expectation, like, if I go out and we go out to eat and I'm, like, clean out my plate or, like, going in, they'd be, like, okay, you got an appetite. (laughs) Oh, this isn't so normal for me. Like, a lot of times the guys that I've talked to eat less than me. Like, mm. I'd be the one that's like, you hungry? <laughs> <laughs> it's you so funny. <laughs> it's so funny you say that. Like, on my first date, like, with Larry, he was like, yeah, you were you were going in on the food. <laughs> and in my mind, I was like, whoa, I wonder how I must have looked. Like, I'm just so used to, like, you know, eating. Yes. If I'm eating hearty and, like, you know, also sometimes eating quickly, especially, like, when you grow up with little brothers, like, I remember when we go to Chili's and get that lava cake and my mom was like, you only get one. We'd have to share. Like, I didn't even get a chance to taste it because I was so busy trying to like eat it really quickly because I knew that if I blinked, <laughs> it would be gone. So it's so interesting. We go to Chili's this weekend to get you a lava cake. <laughs> it's, it's like I can get my own piece. now. <laughs> you better tell them. Yeah. <laughs> No, that honestly was going to be my next question. Like, even if gender didn't come up in your childhood, like, does it come up on a first date, you know? And now, like, subconsciously, you're like, what should I order, you know? Or do you, like, how does it change how you order, how you eat, and who you eat it with, you know? How about the age-old debate? Will you serve your partner? Or do you let it get, or do you let him get it himself? Brian, I, can I say, y'all, this is probably one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> this is so good. Okay, I'm going back on mute. You got to answer the question, boo. <laughs> Honestly, it's funny because, like, a lot of the times, like, when I'm eating with his family, he'll serve me. He'll be like, oh, I'll make you a plate. So I guess when he meets my family, it'll be interesting to see. I feel like, you know, just to, so people aren't, like, looking at me, I'll probably make him a plate. <laughs> but, like, you know, yeah, why not? Like, not every day, not all the time. I mean, you know, we both got, you know, working legs and working hands, so we can both do it. But I think, you know, maybe special occasions, you know, just out of love and, you know, care, like, oh, you know, sit down, like, relax, like, I'll get it. But but to the day-to-day, nah. <laughs> all right, before Fatima answers, what a, the other follow-up question I'm going to ask is, you know serving in the home but like serving in like a social setting too so like even though y'all might reciprocate when it's home if y'all are going to a barbecue a kickback whatever the case is do you feel that pressure to make him a plate or how's that going uh I I haven't honestly I'm like you ready to eat we both going up there (laughs) that's how it's really been but it'll be interesting to see like once you know corona settles down slash we get a vaccine um and have like more big bigger gatherings to see that how that plays out but honestly usually we like eat at the same time um so i could imagine us going both going there together Um, okay yeah yo these questions oh so good so good um so for your the first question you asked i'm i'm really just huge before like even I mean, maybe, you know, going to school and learning about gender roles has a lot to do with this. But I also think like generally on a personal level, like personality wise, I really like partnership in anything. Like if it's friends, I'm like, let's let's have a conversation. And that's part of the work that I do, like facilitating. Right. And 
So it's very based in my personality and it comes out um, in, in a relationship. So it's like, let's make a decision. Let's both make a decision when we want to eat. Like I will not, I don't like when I'm like, let's do this and I'm the only one making plans, right? Mm -hmm. Like we, we always are coming together. So with that type of framework, when it comes to food, this is the same thing. Like if we're making something, we both want to eat it. We're like, okay, let's try something we didn't eat before. We're both going to cook it, right? It's like, you go ahead, you want to cut the onions. I cut, you know what I mean? Like it's very, like it's a collaborative effort. Um, and, you know, once in a while, like if I'm cooking something or I'm excited about cooking something, yeah, like I'll, I'll do, I'll be like, oh, I want you to eat this and like I'll make it and it won't, I mean, sometimes I'm like, there's this like ideas like, okay, don't do this too much because you, you don't want to feel like, I don't want him to think that's that's normal, right? Or that I'm about to be doing this all the time. But what I found is that often it's reciprocated. I've never been in a connection or partnership entanglement. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, reference Jada, if you don't know what I'm talking about on the red, the what is it called? Red table talk. The red table talk. So that's that in that regards. Like I think we like doing stuff together in a social setting. I think you're right. I think. The only reason why I would even start thinking about it harder if it's other if other people are around and they don't know what we're doing when we're not in the, at the cookout or at you know so if I do it they might they might make make assumptions and I think having a partner that understands that is going to be important right like obviously it's not that deep if I get it people can make assumptions but I think having someone that understands that to be like I'm not even trying to you know be in this space so let me just go ahead and get my own food or let me say hey Fatima what do you want but I think to Dara's point like if we both can do it fine but if it's like my partner went to the bathroom and he's like oh I need to go to the bathroom can you order this from you know what I mean so it's very contextual it really depends but I'm really big on like just collaborating for everything which can be probably annoying but yeah, I think when it starts to feel burdensome, that's when you need to have a conversation like, hey, yes. like I feel like I've been carrying most of the, or even not even saying like, hey, would you want to cook this week? Like, yes. So what's your favorite recipe? Like, it doesn't even have to come as like, I feel like I'm doing all the work. Just be like, hey, you, you mind taking over? Yeah. Or, and then people automatically assume like you, you are the one that know how, knows how to cook. That's mm-hmm. also been a conversation that's been coming up for me where it's like, do you cook? And I'd be like, kind of, or I'm like, I'm good. Like I cook what I want, but I don't always cook. Some people, some men act like with like surprise, like, wow, you like, what have you been doing your whole life? The same thing you've been doing, going to school, <laughs> like, hey, you know, you working, know. <laughs> right? Like, why should I be doing all these extra things when you live in your best life playing basketball mm-hmm. and the, you know, so, and again, I'm, I'm being really stereotypical around gender roles. This is not everyone within that binary, but that's also annoying so that's also a red flag for me sometimes and it's like okay I know you grew up in a society that teaches you that but like let's unpack your reaction right now right (laughs) dating Fatima would be an experience (laughs) (laughs) no it's so interesting how all of these things come up you know like I know a huge thing for me when dating was Um, And I've talked about this on this podcast, like I didn't grow up really with gender roles um, or expectations, one, because of like, my dad comes from like a matriarch family. Um, So gender and gender roles are already different on that end. But outside of that, it's just we outnumbered him. I'm one of four daughters. Um, So it's just like one dude, five girls. Um, 
including my mom. So this whole notion of like, I grew up with like both of my parents cooking, like both of my parents serving each other, you know, Mm. just because it's just like like we all have to eat and like we all have to do these chores and we all have to contribute to to make this house (laughs) run so I say that to say because when I started dating I definitely have this mentality of like this is my experience like this is my experience too and I don't have a problem contributing to that so like for me to go out on a date and be like yeah like I don't care about splitting it or like if you just want to do one check like you know, one debit card, like, if we're going out to dinner, like, I'll pay for the movies, but then being exposed to people who are brought up differently, it's like, yo, like, you're embarrassing me right now that you're pulling out your wallet in my presence, and I was like, whoa, okay, (laughs) puts wallet back in purse, right, I mean, (laughs) you know what I mean, so, like, very much that, like, you know, Mm. I'm, I'm taking care of this financially, but I've also, I've been in relationships where like we love to cook together but if it was in a social Mm. setting like I'm definitely making his plate and I don't think that for me like that doesn't bother me you know um so it's so interesting how like food and gender comes in and not only what we eat but like how we eat it what we eat it and who we eat it with so yeah I always love asking those questions I always love seeing like you know how people respond the the situations that they find themselves in And then the other question that I wanted to ask was around food in class, because we usually don't think of class as an identity, but we perform that identity in different ways and in different mentalities. So was there a struggle meal that y'all grew up with, but you didn't know it was a struggle meal until you got older? And you're like, oh, maybe things were tight. I think I... I mean, shoot, I don't even know. I guess maybe to some people it might be a struggle meal, but honestly, I thought it was delicious. And I still think it's delicious. Like my toast pizza, like where I'll take bread and then put cheese and like, like if we have like uh, ham on it and toast it. And if we have like tomato sauce in the fridge, like, you know, making like a little toast pizza. I thought that was good. Like me and my brothers got really creative with bread. Like we had our <laughs> butter, cinnamon, sugar, toast you know combos we had we I learned in school that you can microwave an egg so we do like a we microwave we'd open it and then put it in a plate microwave it and then put it with cheese and ham and then toast it we made grilled cheese sandwiches and then yeah so telling people all that they're like oh wow y'all are really creative but for me like we just you know when there weren't any groceries left like that's what me and my brothers did we were like okay let's get creative with breakfast there's no there's no more eggo waffles so what can we do with bread (laughs) Man, that's such a good question. I'm like, in my head, when you ask that question, it, my brain automatically split because it was like, what is, what are those African dishes? And where were those like non-African? I don't even know if I can call it American dishes because that's debatable in terms of where foods come from. But in terms of like how we used to eat, my sister was really my mother for a good chunk of my life than even my biological mother. And so she carried a lot of the work and so when when things were a bit tight or the check was coming next week and we were all in the apartment together we I grew up eating in big bowls with people with my hand right like this idea of like eating by myself first of all meant that there was extra food for all of us if there were not if there literally if, if the money wasn't like stretching that week or that month 
it was communal meals, communal meals sitting on the floor, really big. I still remember like really big. And I'm, I'm surprised my nieces don't do this anymore. And I'm like, my sister, she's no longer here, but she had such a amazing influence. But we would sit in, in a big, on the floor in a big pan and it would be white rice because that's cheap. Some palm oil, drizzle it as your oil, some spinach, right? Because you can just, if you put palm oil, spinach and a little bit of seasoning, it goes a long way for flavor some onions, sardines, and some like fermented sesame seed in terms of like a topping, right? Like think, my mouth is salivating right now thinking about that because that, it hit. And we would all sit on the floor and we would use our hands and eat. And you would be surprised at how full, like even not just full, but you felt good. And so I think even the moments when we didn't have money, we started to realize our relationship with food unconsciously. Like you don't need four or five meals to feel satisfied, right? And so that on that African, the, the West African part in terms of what that struggle meal was, that's what it was. And then on the other side, when like our family was just like, our parents were working, they didn't have time to even be like, Here, here's this, it was frozen foods. I mean, we, I think I ate so much hot dogs with like between the age of like 12 to 15 on something like, that might've been why I needed <laughs> to change my life, right? Cause that, type of meat to just be eaten continuously is cray but we had a I have a, a nephew he's like my cousin but I call him my nephew he we had to get you know ex, you know we had to be experimental we couldn't just boil the hot dog all the time so he would sometimes <laughs> grill the hot dog or he would take lemon and pepper like do a different seasoning we would chop it up put it in ramen that's another ramen and hot dog listen and we would have to, you know, try to be like, okay, what do we have to eat? The same thing. How do we make it different, right? And so ramen, hot dogs on the, uh, the other side of culture in terms of the struggle meal. That's so interesting. Yeah, there was this um, Twitter, this Twitter thread that was like, everyone like go through like your struggle meals, like add to the thread. And I was looking at it and I was just like, and I called my mom. I was like, mom, were we poor? <laughs> she was. She was like, you broke up. What? I was like, were we poor? I was like, I'm reading this thing. And some of these people are saying that some of this were struggle meals, specifically like the hot dogs and beans. You know what I mean? She was like, no, I just love hot dogs and beans. She was like, I grew up though. Every Saturday was hot dog night. Mm. So it wasn't a reflection of like, you know, our socioeconomic status. It was some, but it was something from her childhood economic status. But she's just like, I just love it. And no, you were fine. Um, (laughs) And I was just like, it's so interesting, like things that we consider like struggle meals or we look back and we're like, oh, like maybe things were tight, but maybe it was just as innocent as a kid experimenting. You know what I mean? Like, I know that um, me and my cousin, we used to play chef and we wouldn't even bring out food, but we just like boil a pot of water and add seasonings because I I loved Emerald growing up. Like if I was home from sick, I was on channel 54, the Food Network. And (laughs) that's what we would do and experiment. And I think we never, hopefully we never stop experimenting into adulthood, you know, and trying new things and being exposed to new things. But going off of food in class, do you think your food choices would change if you had more money or how would it change, if at all? Like right now or in the past? Like right now, like tomorrow you get a $50,000 raise. How is your food changing? Let me go pray and thank the Lord real quick. (laughs) The team was like, I receive it. 
<laughs> Listen, power of words. Amen. I'm I'm a hold, but Dar, if you want to go or even Ryan, I'm a hold and think about it a bit more. I 1000%. I think I would definitely be more plant-based. I just want $20 salads to not be an issue. You know, yeah. like I want that to be light work. Because uh, it's like, I feel like I would eat lighter. I don't know. Because I feel like I'm pretty balanced now. But yeah. sometimes it's more so just like the prep. Like it's so easy to throw chicken in the oven or to just throw something in the oven versus the prep of like plant-based meals or whatever. Even like smoothies. Like I've found a, a cost-effective way to to eat fresh produce and vegetables and prep it so it doesn't go to waste and I can still have it. But Sometimes you just want to buy the smoothie. Sometimes you just want to buy the salad and you don't want to spend, you know, the $8 on the one ingredient that that one dish needs, you know, (laughs) sometimes it's easier to just outsource it. I mean, Mm -hmm. if I was a millionaire, I'm a thousand percent having a private chef. Oh, yeah. yeah. Snaps to that. Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't even have to talk about Jen who's serving who and who's cooking what. (laughs) As long as it's here at 6 p.m. Right. I think for me, I'd, I'd have to second you, Ryan, would be able to like buy things, especially the, the salads and the smoothies without having to like go through the hassle of prepping it. But I still think I would probably have ramen. I just, you know, like even though I grew up pretty middle class when I was younger, like a lot of the creative foods like we got was like after we, you know, finished all the groceries in the house and we had to like wait. So all of the creative foods that me and my brother made like are some of, you know, my comfort foods now. And I feel like I would still like eat it even if I was a millionaire, like, you know, cause sometimes you don't want to cook. You can just put it on the stove for a little, for a couple seconds or toast some, you know, have a grilled cheese sandwich or something. So yeah, I think I would still have my comfort food but definitely I would eat healthier just because it would be more convenient to do so yeah I don't know I I think it would I think it would be the same I think though what I would start doing though is uh, ordering from them vegan websites that has the groceries that's not in my damn grocery store because of the area that I live in so we got like a very small select things to to eat, even in terms of fresh produce, like it's the same things over and over. So I would participate in things that I'm like, I'm not about to buy this fruit box for $70. But now I'm about to buy this fruit box that's coming from, you know, experiencing different fruits from around the world. And, and I would order things that I've, I haven't eaten before. So I think my food wouldn't like how I'm eating wouldn't change. But I think I would just be ordering more things that's not in my nearest um, I wouldn't do it all the time either because there's probably something around like <laughs> destroying the earth again, <laughs> getting people within trucks I and mean, you can never win. But I think that would be it. But I do like your point, Ryan, and are around buying. Sometimes you just want stuff made for you versus, I mean, they say time is money and in many ways it is. Like if you could just have someone make the food, it's so much better sometimes. hundred percent. I hope my mom doesn't listen to this episode because she'll be like, no, I try to offer you food all the time. And I'm like, yeah, but I feel like you get a little crazy with like the butter or the salt and I'm trying to control things, (laughs) you know, it's so so interesting how it goes back and forth. You know what I mean? Because it's like, I don't have to be rich to have somebody make me food. Like my mom would do it. You know what I mean? She'll be like, you know, give me your groceries or whatever you want or bring down she told me this all the time like bring down what you want and I'll I'll make it for you but for me it's like that trust of like would you prepare it like I would prepare it and usually that doesn't mean that it's 
it's definitely not as good as my mother's cooking but again going back to those like food values like I know that like I'm trying to use less whatever 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 so it might not be as tasty as what I grew up with but it still hits like what I need for myself in that moment or even straying away from like you know my mom is a big comfort person she's a big like homey person uh so she'll offer me to like you know send up some meals and I'm like sis like this is a lot of heavy stuff you know like you can't send me meatloaf and scalloped potatoes and then also send me like you know chili (laughs) that's a lot of you know and this notion of of eating light you know or eating lighter um, or just the notion that you don't have to have meat every day and that's okay and we've all had days where we haven't had meat and didn't think like I've been vegetarian for 12 hours you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's why I said no when people be like I'm not doing this I'm not doing that I'm like y'all know most of the foods that y'all eat it don't have it like sometimes it does but a lot of times it doesn't but you're right you're not telling yourself that but when you talked about the the foods that your mom sometimes might send for you there was like a warm place in my heart where I was like those are like loving foods, right? Like those are foods that you send to somebody that you love because like, especially all of us, even though we come from different cultures, like if you send somebody like salad or something like that, it don't feel loving, right? <laughs> it, it We've been socialized, you know it's what I mean? It's just Right, it's cold outside. Why are you sending me salad? Or the salad going to go bad? But if somebody send you meatloaf, scallop potatoes and chill, you like, damn, they put, they put in work. There's not a lot of work to put in salad. You just... You know, <laughs> Speaking of salad, and then we'll wrap this up. Uh, So they often say that, I think we've all heard the phrase like America, the melting pot, but some people are like, it should be more like a salad, you know, like we should be able to all come together and still hold our form. Um, And then some critics of that are like, yeah, but the main component of salad is lettuce and we know who lettuce is. (laughs) You know what? You know what? (laughs) So it's just like, so do you think America's a salad? Brian is coming in with these questions. These are like, yo, <laughs> put myself on mute for this because I need to meditate on the answer. Sorry, can you hit me with a question one more time? I got distracted for a second. <laughs> I asked if, <laughs> I asked if America was a salad. <laughs> oh, hmm. damn. It's hard. Yeah. I, I'm, you know, if it's a salad, it got to be like a sweet green salad. It can't just be like, <laughs> it got to be a salad that got flavor or like a kava bowl or something. Or like the thing that I just described, which we call pemaun, is the dish where I was like, we sit down and we eat rice. Like, I think it's whatever the salad is in our con- in your country, right? Like, mm-hmm. the flavors, the different pieces of things that you bring together. Because how one person might make a salad, it might just be mainly lettuce, yes. But we have this other salad called Sierra Leonean salad. And girl, it's lettuce, it's eggs, it's luncheon meat, which is like spam the, the, the halal one uh <laughs> baked beans sardines uh heinz dressing uh like you you that's another that's a type of salad that you've never had right but mm. yeah so if it's a salad it would be a salad that everyone would like to eat or people you know people add their own toppings or whatever other dish that allows you to bring in all the different 
layers and, and spices and ingredients that makes that dish yummy and wholesome for you. A criticism of the the salad bowl theory is that through you know policy and legislation, the the argument is that a salad can still be a salad without the mix-ins, and the mix-ins are essentially immigrants or any any person who is considered an other. You know what I mean? So like, do we need raisins in salad? No. <laughs> you know what I mean? So this notion of that like people can be disposable or they can be a staple. And mm-hmm. I think that's something that, you know, we struggle with as a country is being like, no, all of us are needed here. <laughs> and especially no. this discourse around immigration, it's just like, y'all not gonna have food to eat in a little bit (laughs) if you keep on treating people so badly and not paying farmers what they deserve or you know um not making the restaurant industry so exploitative exploitative Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but yeah so it's just like it's so interesting Yeah, yeah no i agree it is a salad like more i guess in a way more flavors like more people or lives are valued over others because that critique is 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 for real, is real, right? And it's like, but there's lettuce don't like yeah, okay. These mix-ins, you can have the salad without the salad. But are you gonna eat the salad? Is the salad good? Like you know what I'm saying? Like, no, I'm not saying like we need to be used as props, right? But then we can continue that you know unpacking that. And like, I guess it depends on how you feel. Like, I don't want to be the raisin. Well, the raisin is what makes the salad taste good, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah. without you, that harvest bowl at a uh, sweet green it wouldn't be popping without that grilled chicken okay yeah you eat salad but right and i think that's part that also goes to the narrative of this country like thinking about how this country was it wasn't founded but was stolen right yeah. and and how that's what we that's not we but we as a human race yeah that. right that's what we did we were like yo bring bring the raisins bring the this bring the that and so our salad could be popping i think at this point like america is not one food it's not a melting pot it, if anything it can be a salad bar because like not all salads have lettuce there's potato salad there's yes there's tuna salad and you can just eat the salad that you want it doesn't mean that well some salads are I don't like raisins in my salad, but but you know what I mean? It's just like, there has to be a way where I, I, again, with identity and boxes, like this idea that like, we have to put a label on it. We have to find an analogy for it. We can just exist and like, know, know that there are differences and you might not like some of the differences. They can be, your differences can be different than theirs. But at the end of the day, we all deserve to have the access to healthy food, um, to affordable food, to life, to liberty. No. <laughs> I was say, yeah. <laughs> all right. Come on, strong ending. <laughs> I'm like, isn't Come that the future? No, that's live or die free. Something like that. <laughs> Bring it all in. But yeah, no, just like, you know, everyone deserves, no matter what your differences are, no matter if you're a salad with raisins or not, like... <laughs> You still deserve to be a salad and to eat the salad and to try new salads. You don't have to date within your salad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? You about to start a whole new episode with that. <laughs> you can choose whatever flavor you want, toppings you want. Yep. You can have the cold the dressings yet. Like right. Add and some it, warm toppings. Facts. And again, it don't got to be a salad because if I was to bring this salad bar to where my family's from, they'd be like, "What is this? We got to cook the grass." <laughs> Maybe it could That's be a wrap. 
Okay, a burrito. Okay, come on. I love taco salad. Okay. Maybe it could be a Chipotle bowl. (laughs) Okay, we go down to the Jamaican spot right now. You know they be having all the foods just out there. Yeah. Which we haven't been to that spot. I can't be promoting these restaurants because they not know. paying. Maybe you should leave out. I'm talking about <laughs> that that spot with the mac and cheese. But I was gonna say right now, America, America is uh is ice cream outside on a hot sunny day because this <laughs> this country is. I was about melting. to say you're a soggy salad right now. Yo, spoiled, rotten. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not to end on that note, but I mean, you pretty much did. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, I thought I really did a great job closing that out, and then here, here Fatima comes. Right, because you gotta, you gotta remind people that we always got work to do. You leave yeah. them with a little bit of like, this is cute and hope, but Somebody don't please forget. mute Fatima's. <laughs> don't forget vote on November, <laughs> and I like to say that the people. <laughs> Stay you didn't vote awakened always. <laughs> You didn't have to grab your headset like that. <laughs> People always got to be doing the work. Don't think just because we was cute at the end. Talking about we, we, yeah, yeah. Let's hold hands. Kumbaya. Radish on our salad. Ooh, yeah, yeah, but the salad is struggling right now. So, yeah. How are we going to eat it? Mm-hmm. All right, Fatima. All right, I'm done. So, <laughs> we do have to wrap this up. Um, I love this conversation. Took us a little bit to get going, but I feel like we found our found our stride. Yeah. Um, so for our wellness question, what oh. we do to nourish your body this week? This week, I've noticed that I was snacking more than usual. So this week, I'm going to try to think of like healthier snack options. Like instead of you know corner store donuts, I'm going to do like something healthier, like pretzels or almonds or something. Um, just cause like my body, I felt, I felt it in my body feeling more like sluggish with not as healthy snacks. So, so this week I want to, you know, turn it over to doing more healthier and heartier snacks. And there's nothing wrong with indulging sometimes, but then when you start to pay attention to your body and how it, and you see that it's negatively impacting your body, then you got to switch it up. So this week I'm switching it up, doing some healthier snacking. Yeah, I'm about to go on vacation, and I know I'm about to be eating. I mean, I'm, I'm going to try to, you know what, I'm just going to do what it do. <laughs> but I think in terms of nourishing my body, it's just paying attention to how I'm eating. Like, trying not to multitask when I'm eating is probably going to be the biggest thing for me versus what I'm eating. Because if I don't pay attention to what I'm eating, I'm mindlessly eating, right? And I don't get to pay attention to when I'm full or when I'm not full. So that's going to be not just this week, but you know, I practice that I practice, you know, get on, get doing a really good job. And then I find myself slipping. So it's something that I'm trying to do often. Um, but I do feel like I, and we can talk a little bit more about this, but I feel like a cleanse is coming, not like a cleanse of like, I can't eat, but like a cleanse of like, like foods that give me light, that give me energy, that give me the ability to focus and concentrate because I do notice like if I eat certain things I get a little bit tired or I'm too full to move and I plan on going hiking so let me tell you when you be eating food that's not nourishing your body when you get to that fourth rock (laughs) 
the last time I went hiking, I was like, <gasps> I can't do this. And that's when I knew. <laughs> I was like, mm, yeah. So, yeah, th- those are my plans, not just for this week, but just day-to-day practice. For sure. I'm definitely on the same train as y'all. Um, I think this week, the past two weeks for me, and I feel like for everybody, has just been crazy just with a lot of work. I know, uh, Fatima, we talked, I think, a little bit in the last episode. Things in our work lives are changing <laughs> um, and things are shifting. Things have been, you know, a lot more intense the past two weeks. And so I haven't, I literally sometimes don't even get to leave my house and my body is starting to feel it. You know, it's just like, it's like, hey girl, uh, we can eat these foods, but metabolism where? There should be no reason why I'm still full from breakfast. It's because I literally have taken 500 steps today. Um, so just moving forward, nourishing my body is really, I'm not really concerned about what I'm going to eat, but just moving my body. Um, and so I can feel good that way. I will say, you know, like what you Dara said, just giving my body what it, what it wants. Cause it knows what it wants, you know, it knows what it needs. It's just, you know, the other part of Ryan be like, all right, let's do what it needs to do. So we can be at our optimal self. So with that, I think that wraps up today's episode. <laughs> yes. Thank you all for an amazing conversation. Um, usually we do like a little word of the week, but I feel like we are way over time. Do y'all want to do one or or contribute on social media? Yeah, let's have people tell us what their word of the week is going to be. I like that. All right, cool. So, yes, after this episode is posted, we will ask you, what's your word for the week? Um, And what does that mean for you? And we're excited to engage with you, um, to form a community with you, and to bridge love, access, community care, and knowledge with you. Thank you for listening to Project Block. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, don't forget to share, rate, and subscribe. To stay connected, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Until next time, take it easy and keep bridging the things that matter the most to you. Blackout! Blackout!